0: It's time for the give me zone on the ref. 11, now this is a 12, guys. Now
1: he's gotta start worrying about qualifying for next year's open in the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling counter and renting golf carts the rest of his life. We're
2: talking PGA, college, high school, local courses, and the latest golf news. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can open. Now it's time for three tremendous slouches. Well, we're waiting. Brian Vineyard, Josh Helmer, and Jackson Robottom. Sheffler outshines them all. And Augusta. That's all he needed. Five years later.
1: After his win at Quail Hollow. And Matthew Fitzpatrick is a champion again at the Country Club in Brookline. Brilliant. Quite brilliant. What a back nine. Just listen to this reception. Look at those scenes coming down the 18th. Here at St Andrews, the home of golf. The
3: 150th open. What's up, everybody? It's the Gimme Zone. Good morning. We're back. We're back. I thought it'd be nice to just reset where we were in the golf world when everything, well, the major season came to a close uh, not too many awfully months ago, but what, uh, six months so ago? So the, the major champions that were from 2022. Good morning, everyone. By the way, Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. We've got a new slouch in the, the booth with us. Jackson Robottom is here as well. And uh, Jackson, Jackson hung out for one show last year, but uh, he'll be heavily, heavily involved this spring through the summer. Brian, I guess first things first before we start diving into the major champions that were and what were the big storylines from a year ago? Obviously, this Live PGA Tour feud, it's going to continue to drive, I think, a lot of the discussion this spring and summer. But good morning, how are you, my friend?
2: Good morning, Josh. And hey, we got the Cinderella story, kid out of nowhere, Jackson Robot. I'm in.
3: Do <laughs> you want to say hi to the people, Jackson?
2: Yeah, hi
0: everybody. I'm new around here, so I'm glad that they felt the need to bring me on, and hopefully, I don't embarrass myself too much during this show. So we're gonna be—it's uh, gonna be a learning curve. I'm excited.
3: Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be just fine. So the. Major champions that were. Scotty Scheffler was awesome at Augusta National, in, in, in case you forgot. And correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but was that his fourth win already at the time that he won the Masters? He had four wins last season, but uh, he, he basically controlled the Masters more or less from start to finish. He ends up winning uh, by three strokes over Rory McElroy, though it really wasn't that close, the, the three-stroke margin – Scheffler coming down the home stretch was pretty comfortably in front unless he pulled a Jordan Spieth, tossed a couple, you know, one or a couple into the drink. That never happened. He uh, went on and won his first major championship at the Masters. Let's see. He also captured the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the Arnold Palmer, and the WGC Dell Technologies match play. Looked like maybe, Brian, he was headed for one of those Tiger Woods-type years early in the season and then kind of tapered off to close the year, though, uh, a Major championship for Scotty Scheffler at the Masters that was very, very impressive.
2: Josh, you're right. That was win four. That earlier in the year, we did think at least I did, that Tiger Woods-type season was uh, underway. And then uh, it's interesting that he cooled off, you know. Golf runs and spurts, there's so many good players right now. It's easily understandable, but, uh, boy, that chip in at Augusta turned that whole turnaround. He looked like it was falling apart, and then you go from making a sure bogey, maybe even double, to birdie. And then uh, after that, of course, everybody
3: around here, well, we would imagine you're pretty familiar with what happened down at Southern Hills. We were all in attendance for that one. And I mean, didn't look like it was going to wind up finishing this way, Brian. It looked like Mito Pereira, a name that uh, if you didn't know it before Southern Hills and the PGA championship, you're forgiven. You shouldn't probably have known Mito Pereira's name before the uh, PGA championship at Southern Hills, but he, he had it, he had it right there. And then, A famous collapse on 18 for Pereira. And, oh, by the way, you know, credit given where credit's due, I believe Justin Thomas from seven shots back to start that final day ends up getting into a playoff. I had forgotten this portion of it, Brian, until I started researching this last night. I totally forgot Pereira wasn't even in the playoff after his collapse on 18. It was Zalatoris and uh, Justin Thomas in the playoff, but Justin Thomas able to prevail for his second major championship.
2: Well, that was great stuff with JT, um, but let's call it like it was. Mito Pereira was probably in over his head, and, you know, we'll get Jackson's input on this here in a second, but, yeah, Mito Pereira was in over his head, and he had a bit of a John Velde moment, you know, and we talked about it in length. Jackson, you're a golfer. Hey, the caddy's responsible. Do not put that driver in his hand. All you needed was hybrid off that tee, and you're probably winning the tournament. Right or wrong? Well, you're right.
0: You're definitely right. But there's also an element of, what are you comfortable with? Mito Pereira, all week long, was comfortable with the driver in the back. And so I understand, in a very kind of, I don't know, sinister way, I guess would be the word, why they put the driver in the hands, but I certainly would have been trying to talk him off of that. Uh, Mito Pereira, coming down the stretch, all the nerves probably going down to his fingertips – who knows where your wrists are going to go in the middle of your golf swing for that. And so when when you're coming down the stretch, going down 18, you're right. Driver's really not the play, I don't well, think.
2: Well, having played, guys, having played that, that course many times in that hole, and, and granted, I'm a 54-year-old slouch. Those guys are so much longer than me. Driver's not even the right play on a normal day, let alone with a major championship on the line, in my opinion. Because it, those guys hit it so far, you get down there in that little neck that brings all that trouble into play. And, boy, it I promise you, uh, I see, you, I hear what you're saying, Jackson. I don't disagree with it totally. You go with what you're feeling good with that day. But, man, I bet you if we had him in here and had a couple of beers in him, he'd tell us, oh, I sure wish I'd hit that 2 iron no or doubt. hybrid. No <laughs>
3: doubt. And we'll see. We'll see. This is part of why I wanted to do this exercise right off the top because, look, for me, it's like I said, I had totally forgotten that Pereira wasn't even in that playoff after said collapse on 18, but uh, it sets the stage for what this 2022-2023 season, what are the big storylines for it? These are the big storylines that were a year ago. So that's half of the major championship rewind. The rest of it, it looked like this. We found uh, another, well, actually a couple more first-time major champion winners. Matthew Fitzpatrick, he won the U.S. Open and Cam Smith, I mean, my goodness, the putter display that he put on at St. Andrews was just otherworldly, Brian.
2: No, it was. And you think about it, when you look at the whole year, we have to think about Rory because with all this feud going on between PGA Tour, Liv, Rory right in the middle of it. Rory kind of had a Greg Norman type year, really, really good year, really close on a bunch of them, but just didn't get over the finish line on many of them that he really could have, and maybe should have won. Jackson thoughts.
0: Rory is so close. (laughs) He was, he was there. Last win I believe he had was in 14 at Liverpool was the open championship. And he's, he's so close. And I, I was doing a, I was doing another show while I was still in college, uh, well, and I I predicted this year Rory was going to break through, and I, I don't know if that's going to come to pass. I still feel good about it, especially after his win uh, on the DP World Tour not too long ago. He came down the wire. He was under the pressure against Patrick Reed. It was very much an LIV Tour versus PGA Tour sort of matchup, and I think that was good pressure for him, and he overcame it, shot four under in the final round. He was doing so good coming down the stretch, and I think... We're gonna see him in a much better place coming down the stretch for majors. But it's 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 gonna to be tough coming down for him, because like you said, he's getting a little older. We don't know if he's in the peak of his game right now or if his or if his peak years are behind him. And if you ask him, he'd probably say that he's playing his best golf now, though. So I would be I would still be looking for
2: Rory coming down the stretch in major championships. Hey Josh, that was a shot right there by Jackson at you and I. He, he, Getting older. Indeed. Says the young 20-something buck versus the uh, uh, 54-year-old and Josh. Heading (laughs)
3: toward his mid-30s. Heading
2: heading towards. I mean, sadly, you guys together might be the same age as me. Oh, man.
3: And that's what's going to make this a beautiful spring and summer. (laughs) Think about the banter between us.
2: I'm going to bring a cane next time and just kind (laughs) of limp my way in here. But, hey, you made a great point, Jackson. I do think Rory – He seems to have fixed his putting, which is always the thing that held him back. Fantastic driver of the golf ball, great wedge player, but it just seems like his putter would let him down at the oddest moments. But this year it seems to be better. Time will tell, though, Josh, because, you know, how much does this live PGA Tour tussle, as we want to call it, get into his head and make him feel pressure to win just to prove a point?
3: Well, and, you know, he was open about that this past week after he won the Hero Dubai Classic. So we, we've got that post-round audio, I mean, immediately with, uh, I think it's Sky TV who was interviewing him afterwards for the, uh, the DP World Tour event there. Let, let's play some of that next and I want to have an extended Rory McElroy discussion I, I went and did some deep diving and digging last night and even though technically this Joe Posnansky information is from 2014 it was good from 2014 I know that's a little bit speaking of getting older that's a little bit dated information <laughs> that, that I went and, and dug up last night but some of the numbers I think though they, they don't totally apply because guess what that's nine years ago it gives us it gives us some, some bumper rails, if you will, to discuss Rory McIlroy and where is he at in his career. And is this, as Jackson said, is he still in that peak or has he just turned the corner on the peak? I think that's an interesting discussion because, look, when you were as good as Rory McIlroy was in the majors a season ago, but you didn't win one, Brian, we have to have that discussion. I think that's one of the the big major storylines to start this year. The uh, Again, the, the final two champions – Fitzpatrick, Uh, we we didn't really talk about that up at at Brookline. What stood out from
2: Fitzpatrick's victory? Well, it wasn't surprising because he'd won at that course before as an amateur. I think he's the type of golfer that a certain type of course will fit his game. He's got a good game, but I don't – Jackson – you tell me. I don't look at him as elite. I look at him as really, really good. But when you say give me the the ten most elite players, and I don't care about the world golf rankings because that's a whole sidebar that all that we can discuss at a later date. And how those are calculated now and not calculated by not giving weight to certain events. And but I I don't view him as elite. Do you?
0: Well, he's playing in the PGA Tour, and that speaks for something. He he got to be some kind of elite to be able to play there, and. It's tough because he's a very technical golfer. He's not what you might call feel. You know, he's not very feel-oriented. He's got a very methodical routine. But the thing about it is when you get so technical, you can get in your head. And that's kind of plagued Matthew Fitzpatrick throughout his career, PGA Tour, European Tour. He's a fantastic golfer. He's got a very good short game, and he's very accurate. But under the gun, sometimes his technique will fail him. And that's a lot of what we've seen. He did it at the, the Masters a few years ago, I believe, when, uh, when Jordan Spieth won it in 2015. He was coming down the stretch. He was playing really good through two days, and his technique just failed him. Now, he's learned a lot since 2015. Obviously, that was eight years ago. But it's, it's tough to say that he won't be at that level, especially now he's got the major championship. This year is going to be very telling for Matthew Fitzpatrick because now that he's got his major championship – he's got a little bit he's got a little bit more momentum coming into the season us open is no slouch victory regardless of where it is even if it was at a course he'd won before for his amateur but it's going to be very interesting and this is going to be very telling to see just how good matthew fitzpatrick is i agree i agree with you in large part i don't think he's he's there yet he's still a young man i think he's in his late 20s But it's going to be very interesting. I might watch Matthew Fitzpatrick this year, see how he does in the regular season as well, and see if he's building towards something for major championships. So keep an eye out for Matt.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. By elite, I mean, obviously everybody in the PGA Tour is elite. I meant elite of the elite. I agree.
3: The Dustin Johnsons, which some people would have that argument, by the way, with him, Brian. (laughs) You know, I mean, elite, all this talent, but he's only won how many majors, right? So the... That next stratosphere of not two-time major champion, not you know one or two or three-time major champion, but can this guy go track down seven, eight, nine?
2: Yeah, you know the guy that when when you're take looking at the odds to start the tournament, you're like, I gotta I gotta factor him in my thought process. You know, you know what he reminds me of though, guys. I I just look at him and I I see Justin Leonard. I mean, is that a fair assessment? You guys agree, disagree? Yeah, maybe a Steve Stricker kind of guy
0: as well, honestly. Just the way he plays the game. But, yeah, I mean, Justin letter he's hes there, but it's tough for him to just make moves coming down the stretch. It, I, I know exactly what you're saying right there.
2: Hey, not as cool as Steve Stricker, though, because Steve, Steve plays with Bob in the uh, Pebble Beach in the day. You know, I don't think Bob's playing it this year, but – He's got other duties, but hey, that guy's got to be cool. Fob's going to be your partner, right?
3: No doubt, no doubt. We're doing opening breaks, so great to be back with the the Gimme Zone. Josh Elmer, alongside Brian Vineyard, Jackson Robottom, with us as well. Do want to tell you, uh, we've got to be be quick in this next segment, but uh, we'll break it down. Rory McIlroy said we'd have an extended discussion there. We can do that. Ryan Hibble, Oklahoma headman's golf coach, is going to join us at the bottom of this hour. He'll get us, uh, well. It'll get us all straightened out for what the spring schedule looks like for Oklahoma. They picked up another win throughout the uh, the fall portion of their schedule. The very final event, they went and won that event, which remarkably, Brian, they've now gone, I think it's uh, – I think it's 12 straight semesters that they've got at least one win in either, in, well, in both the spring and the fall, which that's, that's an amazing run. So we'll talk about that with Coach Ryan Hibble and plenty, plenty more. It's the Gimme Zone just underway. So happy to be with you on a Saturday right here on The Rev. Happy Saturday, everybody. The Gimme Zone, we're back with you. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Brian Vineyard. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Jackson Rowbottom. Josh Elmer with you as well. Right around the corner... Oklahoma headmen's golf coach Ryan Hibble will join us. He's got no surprise, Brian, another very, very talented team. They uh, picked up a win in the fall, and we're right there for for a couple of other wins as well. Almost captured the Big 12 match play championship and just, just barely came up short versus a team that uh, in, in Texas Tech is nationally, I think, you know, you've got multiple top 25 rankings in golf, but uh, I think each place you look, Texas Tech is is top five, so nothing nothing to be ashamed about over there. The uh, Hero Dubai Desert Classic. McElroy captures that. He wins the championship. Beforehand, though, this sort of taken on a life of its own, this little spat that he had with Patrick Reed, the the handshake gate, if you will. And anyways, here was McElroy talking about that. Social media as it is. Yesterday, big story in golf was a T-peg that was thrown your direction um, from Patrick Reed. Uh, uh, that's the story that's out there on social media. From your point of view, what happened there?
4: Uh, nothing. Like, Patrick wanted to come up and say hello, and I didn't really – want him to and uh and in my from my recollection that was it i didn't see a tea i didn't feel a tea i didn't whatever Um, obviously someone else saw that but it's definitely a storm in a teacup so uh obviously nothing i can't believe it's actually turned into a story but um yeah it's it's nothing is there also an element of naivety for, for someone to think who's doing what he is in the world at the moment in terms of subpoenas being thrown out there, that everyone should be able to just come up and say hello and get on like nothing's happened? Yeah, I mean, I was subpoenaed by his lawyer on Christmas Eve. So, I mean, of course, like I'm just trying to have a nice time with my family and, and you know, someone shows up on your doorstep and delivers that, you know, you're not, like, you're not going to take that well. So, um, you know, again, I said in there, I'm. I'm living in reality. I don't know where he's living, but, you know, I, I don't I, – if I were in his shoes, I wouldn't expect a Paloo or a hunch either.
3: Okay, so suffice it to say, with the, the live tour versus the PGA and all of a sudden there's lawsuits from Patrick Reed's representation involved directed at McElroy and others – There's some bad blood, right? So that's the backdrop between those two at the Hero Dubai. Well, guess what? Lo and behold, who could have scripted it better than, you know, the the Disney Channel or Hollywood writers? Sure enough, it's those two coming down the home stretch. And McElroy does win it. The finish sounds like this.
2: He's done.
1: Start what a start to the year. A winning start with a 30 30 finish. And he has captured the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. For the third time.
3: So, I, no idea why the DP World Tour can't turn out audio that sounds any better than that, but that's neither here nor there. So McElroy wins the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, and then. One final time, Brian, afterwards, he's asked about this situation with Patrick Reed, and he doesn't shy away from it.
4: It's no secret that there's been a lot of noise surrounding this week. Uh, Given, I guess, who was in the chasing pack, did that spur you on? You know, I, I think mentally today was probably one of the toughest rounds I've ever had to play because it would be really easy to let your emotions get in the way. Um, And I I just had to really concentrate on focusing on myself, Uh, forget who was up there on the leaderboard. Um, And and I did that really, really well. Um, You know, I I feel like I, I showed a lot of mental strength out there today. And again, something to really build on for the rest of the year. You asked the question that I wanted to ask
3: earlier, Brian, is this thing now keep in mind he wins the Hero Dubai Classic, right? He won the CJ Cup uh, here recently back in October. He's been winning. He just hasn't been winning majors. But you asked the question that immediately when I heard that clip, exactly the same question ran through my mind. Is this thing too much for him? Is he getting way too caught up in the PGA Tour versus the Live? And now he, he – emotionally, seemingly channeled this thing the right way and went and won this event. But he right there is telling us, Brian, oh, man, this was so emotional. Uh, You know, I I had to really keep all that in check because of all this. Actually, it was a little bit sweeter to go win this thing. Is that good? Is that bad? Does it matter for him as we start thinking about a guy that, hey, just has won a lot but can't get over the top in a major championship? Do you worry about that?
2: Josh, to steal a line from Christmas vacation, it's the gift that keeps on giving, Clark. So, honestly, let's just call it what it is. If he's that worried about Patrick Reed, he's not who we think he is, right? And secondly, he wasn't even paired with Patrick Reed. I want to see what he would do under the gun. What if Patrick Reed had been in his group and put one up there 10 feet for birdie coming in tied have done what kind of shot would he have been able to hit that's what I asked myself Jackson well <clears throat> it's tough because he's looking at the leaderboard all day
0: long he sees Patrick Reed sneaking up Patrick Reed actually had the better round that day as well yes and so he was coming from further behind Patrick Reed had a fantastic round of golf and so when you see Patrick Reed creeping up the leaderboard knowing what Rory's emotions were the entire day and the entire week really about Patrick Reed it's tough to say whether it would have been better or it would have been worse because we didn't have that situation where they were together the entire time. You know, we didn't we didn't have it mic'd up. We didn't know what was going through his mind about it, but we do know he saw Patrick Reed coming. He still had to perform. He still had to go out there and play, and he shot four under. It's a very respectable round around a very tough track. So it. I think it was a good showing. I think it was promising. I think that... Rory is one of those guys who is very passionate about his golf and passionate about what he goes out there and does, and he channeled passion. I mean, that is exactly what it was, and he finally did it in such a way it delivered him a victory. And so from from my perspective anyway, it looks like Rory is on a good path. I think this could be a really good year for him because he was able to hold off what was really a demon for him the entire week. But he came out there and he still got it done. So maybe I'm just reading it a little differently than a lot of people are. But that's kind of the perspective I took. That's kind of what I'm going with as far as what I'm seeing out of Rory coming down the stretch. Jo-
2: Josh, pose you a question. Okay. What part of the world's Dubai uh, Open played in? <laughs> well, that's... How ironic, right? Yes. How ironic. You know, he's against the people behind the live, but he just played in a tournament right there that part of the world, right?
3: Indeed, and a lot of people have pointed out that hypocrisy.
2: Yeah. Okay, now let's go one step further. And I think Jackson, as we are starting to find out, is a little bit of a Rory fan, and that's okay. And with all due respect, Josh... Patrick Reed's not very likable, right? No, no, absolutely I mean, not. I mean, he's just not. I don't. I haven't heard one golf fan go, man, Patrick Reed's my favorite golfer, <laughs> right, maybe other yeah. than his parents, right?
3: Uh, well, and maybe not them either. And I
2: haven't even talked to them. But could it go, be going through Rory's mind? He's sitting there watching that leaderboard going, oh, crap, oh, crap. If I lose to Patrick Reed after this, you know, subpoena gate, is this going to put egg on your face? I don't right. know. What are, what are your thoughts, Josh?
3: No what? doubt. And after the start of the week. Where they had, yeah, they, their their little dust up, no question. And Rory has been the mouthpiece for the PGA Tour, which, you know, that's made him very, very popular for a lot of folks. It's maybe turned a couple of people against him, but I think largely probably the majority of the reaction I get to it, I feel from it, Brian, is that people dig that Rory's taken that role for the PGA Tour to be that uh, that mouthpiece and the face of the tour – so he's put himself there. He, By his own volition, he's made that choice to be that guy for the PGA Tour. And when you make that choice, yes, there, there would absolutely be egg on his face. There's so much to this that we can continue to discuss. I, I'm th- Fascinated always with the psychology of athletes, not just golfers, Brian. And I'm, I'm thinking about my Kansas City Chiefs, and guess what they just did recently? Oh, they had a big spat with the Cincinnati mayor, right? Which did the did anything the Cincinnati mayor have to say affect anything that happened in Arrowhead Stadium? No, right? Oh, well, the
2: officials gave Kansas City that <laughs> game, Josh. It's on. Own,
3: it's own other debate. <laughs> but
2: I just want to say, go Eagles. <laughs>
3: One one vote for the Eagles. I'm the
0: only Eagles fan in Oklahoma, I promise you.
3: But to that point, I get in. I get into this. What does all this mean for McElroy? And is it too much that he's thrown himself into this fire? Right with Reed and the Live and PGA Tour versus the Live. Maybe this is what he needs to get over the top in a major championship. Maybe this is that little bit of extra because athletes sometimes find weird motivation in odd places. Okay. We we have more on McElroy coming your way in just a little bit, but I don't want to keep coach waiting. Coach Ryan Hibble from the Oklahoma men's golf program, the head coach for OU men's golf joins us next. It's the gimme zone. We've got a fun start to a Saturday and a spring right here on the gimme zone. It's uh, the gimme zone on the ref back with you in just a moment. Back with you. It's the gimme zone. Right here, happy Saturday, everyone, on The Ref. Joined by the Oklahoma Headmen's golf coach, Ryan Hibble on the phone lines. Coach, obviously you've had a, a busy fall schedule already and, you know, incredibly a, another win for your program throughout the fall. But just generally speaking, Coach, what did you like about the fall? How, how did the fall go for your program? Catch us up. How, how was the fall?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It, it was a it was a very good fall. Um, we, we have a lot of new players in the game. Uh, you know, we, we lost Chris Goddard up, Logan McAllister from last year's team. A lot of firepower. That's two first-team All-Americans. So we knew we were going to have some newer faces. And uh, I feel like our fall was very, very well kind of scripted out. Uh, we struggled in one event. Um, and outside of that, we played actually very good. Uh, you know, we almost – Played the Big 12 Match Play Championship down in Houston. Uh, we finished off the fall uh, out in Hawaii with a win, which was really good to just kind of get the juices flowing, knowing that you're, you know, trying to win a golf tournament come down the stretch. And our guys were able to to, to seal the deal out there, and it just uh, it was a nice growth uh, fall for us, uh, seeing some different different players, and uh, really excited about the springtime.
2: Hey, coaches, Brian up. Congratulations first of all on everything you've accomplished. I mean, what you've done with this golf program is unbelievable and uh, we can't tell you how much credit you deserve for that because, you know, it's, you've taken it to heights that it that just hasn't seen. It, and it just feels like what you're doing is building a dynasty here. And, it, you know, you, when you lose good players and experienced players like you did last year and then you bring in really great players, what's your key to that? Is the success obviously has a big piece in the recruiting, but what's your, what are you selling at OU that makes it different than somebody else? What's your secret sauce?
1: Well, the secret sauce, uh, I can tell you this. Um, I, you know, the secret sauce for us is just getting guys that fit our golf program that, that are wanting to come in here and work every single day. Um, you know, I have – we just had a, a, a great former player uh, alumni weekend out in Arizona this past uh, weekend. And, and for me, a lot of the secret sauce lies in, in, in that piece of the puzzle – We have so many great former players. You know, when I first took over in 09, you know, our golf team at the time was not very good, but we had a lot of the pieces of the puzzle already in place with great former players, super alumni that that are, you know, we're ready to see our, our golf program pop. Um, So I was, I was very fortunate to have some of the foundational pieces already here. We just had to love on them a little bit and, and uh you know let that mature and let our process kind of work and um you know the recruiting side for us is all about just getting the guys that you know hopefully can fit our golf program and you know we don't we don't take a year off from recruiting you know there's a lot of programs that will kind of bring in a couple guys every other year i mean every year to me is a big recruiting year so you know we we always have to be looking for that next best guy that can come in here and and ultimately iron sharpens iron and and, uh, you know, that's that's our – it's not a sell. It's just what it is. It, the, the the more better players we can get around each other, the better they're going to, you know, continue to, to rise up and, and challenge their game. So, uh, we compete every day. We're actually doing it this morning right now. We're out here at Jimmy Austin. And uh, it's a little chilly and windy out here. And and uh, our guys are getting after it because we're getting ready to go to Puerto Rico next week.
3: Well, and we want to talk to you about Puerto Rico here in just a moment, Coach. I know – Look, I get it, sort of on that same line of thinking with Brian. I get it, you're not going to pat yourself on the back too much because guess what, the Puerto Rico Classic is right here and there's always one more challenge right around the corner, but I did want to get your thoughts for just a moment, Coach. With the Maui win, this program, your program, it's now won at at least one team event in 12 straight full semesters, which, as you know, Coach, in the game of golf, Consistency, not the easiest thing to come by. So that is remarkable consistency that you've been able to do that for, for seven years in a row, and win at least one team event. What's what is the secret there? How, how have you had that consistent team success in your program, and what does it mean to you, coach?
1: Well, consistency certainly means a lot to me. Um, you know, as as we you know evaluate and look back year in year out. I think that's the the one area that that I would say that we have done a, a really great job in over the last ten to twelve years is is just you know super consistent week in week out um, you know when we don't have a good outing obviously we come back and try and figure out why I mean we're always looking to grow and improve uh, within our within our guys and, and their own individual games and then collectively you hope it just really works works into the team side of things um, you know. I, When you talk about winning is very difficult in golf. Um, You know, when we go to a tournament, it's not like a a match where you're just playing one person. You know, usually we're playing up against 12 to 15, maybe even 18 teams a a week. So, you know, when you do, I appreciate you guys saying that, because when you do win, uh, we've won so much here over the last five or six years that people kind of get used to us winning, and it's very, very difficult in our sport to win a golf tournament. So when we do get that opportunity to win, is is for sure special. We uh, you know we definitely treasure that and uh, and think a lot about it because it's 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 tough and and playing you know for your team is so much more stress stressful honestly than when you're just doing it for yourself. You know when your guys are looking over your shoulder and you know that every single shot coming down the stretch truly matters. It is it is a unique situation. There's a reason why the Ryder Cup. The President's Cup, those guys love it so much. Uh, The Walker Cup and amateur golf, because, you know, when you have other other folks that are depending on you, it's it's amazing what that that pressure, but also how good it feels on the back. And when, you know, actually finish the deal.
2: Yeah, Coach, I would think that given the level of success – every year that you've had for the last seven years, as Josh referenced by winning a tournament, I would think as you guys come down to the crunch time in that final round, the guys have to go, we kind of expect to win, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, experience is, is a big deal. And, um, but you know, like for instance, every year it's it's a different team, you know, this year, like I was mentioning earlier, we have, you know, quite a few new players in the game and, So us winning out in uh, Hawaii, uh, you know, it was good. It was kind of like their first blood for the year. And so that builds that experience. Uh, Our first tournament out in the fall was at Frederica down at St. Simon's Island. And and, uh, we went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in in the country at Vanderbilt. And we came up a couple short there. But, you know, all these experiences throughout the year continue to build. Uh, But, you know, every week that we go out, seemingly we have kind of a different lineup too. So, there's just a lot of different experiences, but ultimately the expectation is at our place to figure out how to go get the job done and uh, to to get as much out of your game as possible. sometimes you end up winning sometimes you don't but at the end of the day, if we're getting as much out of our our guys' games as we possibly can then that's that's uh, you know the satisfaction piece for us
3: if you're only looking at the the final results portion i understandably the Ben Hogan collegiate that would be the one that you say okay well wish we had played better across the board but I'm curious from this perspective coach that was the event that Patrick Welch didn't take part in understandably as he's getting ready for his first PGA Tour start in the Shriners Children's Open and for you it's a uh, you know, that creates obviously a challenge because one of your best players isn't taking part in the event. But as a coach, that has to almost be exciting in a sense for that week because it's, okay, here's another chance to, as you mentioned, tinker with the lineup a little bit. So with all of that said, Coach, what did you as a coach and this team get out of that week?
1: Well, to your point, we we definitely got another guy in the lineup. Uh, we didn't play very well. I mean – whether or not Patrick was going to be there, we knew he wasn't going to be there. You know, six months ahead of time. Um, it's just one of those tough things in our sport that most other sports don't have to deal with. Every once in a while, when a guy gets a, a chance to play on the PGA Tour, unless it's coming down the postseason, you're you're going to probably let that guy go do that as a coach. It's a huge opportunity, exposure, uh, experience, all that. Uh, you know, you don't have a football guy going and trying and play one one NFL game. You know, that, that would be, uh, you know, crazy to think about, but that's what ends up happening basically in our sport. Um, but it, it was a great experience for us. We just didn't we, – we didn't play well. But what I like is how we bounced back. Uh, we played phenomenal at the Big 12 match play, which was the week uh, later. You know, and then we were able to finish up with a win in Hawaii. So uh, all things considered, I would say – um, you know, Colonial kind of beat us around. We didn't do a very good job uh from top to bottom uh, that that entire week. But um uh, I would say we learned quite a bit from it uh and we got better. So um that that's what it, you know my takeaway would be from that week.
2: Coach, as we look at the schedule upcoming obviously you you guys have had a lot of success as a team and uh individually at the Puerto Rico uh uh classic there. What is it about that course that fits your team's game, or is it just that, that you guys have a plan of attack
1: that is, is really effective on that course? Yeah, you know, well, after last year's tournament, we were able to go down and, and play great golf, but uh, Chris Goddard won that tournament with 20 under par, so we're going to have to figure out how to, to replace the 20 under par Uh <laughs> You know, from last year, right? And and uh, that's what we're trying to figure out right now out here today. And um, you know, the actual golf course itself lends itself to a lot of birdies. Um, it's honestly kind of a more wide open golf course that you can just kind of pound on it and go go make as many birdies as you can. So uh, we're going to be looking for some heavy firepower down there. And there's not too much strategy going into uh, Puerto Rico. The greens are usually softer; they're not super fast, so you really just kind of have to get after it right from the get-go. Uh, you know, when that when that shotgun goes off on Sunday Sunday morning in our first round, I mean, you, you got to go make a bunch of birdies.
2: Well, given that you have so much competition for spots this year, probably, I w- would it be fair to say more than last year, more people competing for for those spots this year? Does the type yeah?
1: Of- I, I- Go ahead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've actually got as much depth this year as, as we've had maybe maybe ever. Um, our, our horsepower at the top, you know, that's what we're trying to, you know, get better and, and figure out. But there's no doubt that we probably are, are you know, going to be lean on eight, eight, eight to nine guys this year.
2: Well, given that, does that impact your decision-making on the – the folks that you take to that Puerto Rico, given that you said it's more of a bomber's course and can yield a lot of birdies, does that make you say, hey, this guy seems like he makes more birdies, and so I'm going to take that player over X player because this other player is a little more, you know, conserve plays better on a tighter course. Does that weigh into your thinking at all?
1: It can. Um, we do so much competition back home, though, that it kind of almost plays itself out. Uh, We're fortunate, uh, you know, in in the sport that we play, being able to kind of see what happens a little bit more, you know, and a lot of folks will will question, well, tournament golf's not like back home. Well, we try and and simulate tournament golf as much as we can back home and put pretty high stressors on our guys back at the house to where when when we get on the road, we're going to go have some fun. So, um, you know, to to answer your question, it kind of depends on what's going on back at the house. And then that uh, allows us to make, you know, some decisions. And certain guys are going to earn their spots based on qualifying. Um, and then there's usually a couple, you know, picks here and there. But you'd be surprised at how, how often that basically is going straight off of, uh, you know, our qualifying leaderboard. Because if you're playing good back home, usually that, that translates to being on the road.
3: Well, Coach, we appreciate your time, as always. Congratulations on another fabulous fall. We can't wait to see what happens in the spring. Good luck in Puerto Rico. And, uh, again, we just really appreciate your time, Coach.
1: All right, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on.
3: Oklahoma Headman's golf coach, Ryan Hibble. He is uh, one of the best in the biz, no doubt. And the results speak for themselves. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up hour number one. It's the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. Back with you, the Gimme Zone. We are live, Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and alongside Jackson Rowbottom. Big thank you to Oklahoma head men's golf coach, Ryan Hibble, who is he's just awesome. What, what were some of the things that stood out there? We've got a, a leaderboard I guess we can update for you that we <laughs> haven't updated all morning. Uh, but, uh, well, we haven't gotten to do this in several months, so there's a lot to talk about. But what, what sort of grabbed you from what Coach Hibble had to say?
2: Well, you know, the, the thing I found interesting is he is. He said, yeah, we lost a lot of firepower from last year, but I think we're deeper than we've ever been. So to me, it sounded that like he was very encouraged with his squad, and I don't think any of the expectations change according to him, right? We, we expect to go out and get it done. I love that mentality and the, the whole iron sharpens iron. I know that's a you know, a cliche that's been used for hundreds of years probably, But but the reality is it's true. You, if you've played competitive golf, and Jackson, you have, you know, it's it's the reality is when you play with better players, it makes you be better.
3: We didn't even get to ask, and we ran out of time there, about Jay Summy had an awesome fall for them, and that's another freshman that they brought into the program. I know that he, he was top 10 type recruits. So Oklahoma's landing and signing credit to coach Hibble and his staff. They are signing some big time talents. And I know uh, it wasn't uh, too awfully long ago. We were talking about Drew Goodman coming into the program and there being a ton of hype there. So they're bringing in some talented, talented youngsters. And Oh, by the way, they're getting results from said youngsters, but that's it for our number one, the live golfers. Are they playing in a major championship? Are they playing in all the major championships? Well, we got news on that front recently. That's coming your way next right here on the gimme zone.